0: hello hello i'm misty kelkoffan and i'm kitty amen and this is the drinking like ladies in crisis podcast (laughs) podcast is a companion project to our book, Drinking Like Ladies, where we asked women bartenders from around the globe to take inspiration from amazing women in history and invent drinks based on their lives. Eventually, and hopefully soon, each episode will celebrate a rad woman doing amazing things.
1: For now, however, we are inviting experts of all genders to offer advice in navigating the many challenges we are facing due to the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Today we are joined by Anita Cristina Calcaterra. Anita Cristina is a career professional educator with over 25 years of experience as both a public and private school teacher, and she's currently a fourth-grade teacher in the Arlington Public School System in Massachusetts.
1: In this episode, we'll chat about the state of our education system, the possible impacts for students and teachers from an extended school shutdown, and some tips for parents who've become educators overnight.
0: Here's our conversation with Anita Cristina.
1: Well, Anita, Christina,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Just
1: so everybody can become familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Absolutely. I am an educator in the glorious uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I've been an educator here for 25 years, and the first half of my career, I worked with a private school called uh, Waldorf education and I had the great pleasure of learning about childhood development because I taught first grade and then I went with the students up to the next grade and then I taught second third fourth all the way up through eighth grade so I had this wonderful experience learning about the breadth of childhood development and um, also early in my career I started with um, three to five year old play groups and I did preschool for a year and Currently, for the last about 14 years of my career, I've uh, worked at the Arlington Public School Systems as a fourth grade teacher and like a fourth grade specialist. And um, in Arlington, I've worked with the superintendent closely, been on her superintendent advisory committee. I've written curriculum for the social studies department. Right now, I'm currently spearheading this initiative to get um, LGBTQ elementary level equivalency of like a QSA and a GSA in all of their seven elementary schools. So I'm, um, I'm working on that initiative currently. And I've had a, quite a, quite an, a range of experience with different age levels. You know, I haven't had much experience with high school students. I have, I will say I had, um, a frightening stint of subbing in several high schools <laughs> and, um, they are, they are quite a, uh, an interesting variety of student at that age yeah. level. They're, they're sort of, uh, they're very interesting. I mean, my my professional licensure, I, I'm qualified to teach English at that level. I just haven't practiced teaching English up there.
1: So we, we kind of find ourselves in a really interesting time right now. And for all of the parents out there, all of a sudden are becoming the teachers of their children in addition to being their parent and a lot of them are also trying to work at home at the same point in time and so it's kind of this double whammy so what advice would you have for parents in the situation where they're trying to balance trying to be an educator um, at the same point in time as being the breadwinner all from home
2: I you know first if for all the parents who are out there who are listening I just have to say you know we we do not expect you to replace you know what we're doing in the classroom or any of the things that you know the the school manages to do for students during the day you know we really know that this is this is a challenge this is really unusual and um you know I've I've what I do is a profession you know it's just quite a lot that goes into it and so we don't expect parents to really pick up where we left off and do everything that we do the couple of key things for for parents to remember is that children you know at this age children at the in the breadth of the lower school middle school into the high school they're, they're they are natural learners you know they are looking for patterns they're looking for things to do they're looking for interests they're they're curious about the world they have questions and so with with a bit of a schedule and with a bit of a preparation and with connecting with the teacher, which is really what I do, but you would be doing it as a parent. Um, you know, you you can kind of have a you can begin to get some stability with what what's going on. So I would say, you know, do what teachers do: spend a little time preparing, get a bit of a routine going, and um, stay connected.
1: So as parents are thinking about and, and planning and and you know, kind of preparing for the day, what what are the things that they should be prioritizing? Because I think, you know, they're looking at what they know a child goes through in a normal school day. And, and you know, is there a particular subject they should be prioritizing over another? Or what should they be focusing on? Because I think it's probably pretty overwhelming.
2: Yeah, it's extremely overwhelming. And I think all of the states have t- tried to use a language where we're not teaching any new curriculum, you're not progressing the skills. What you're doing is reinforcing and reviewing the skills that the students have already mastered, and you are um, providing enrichment activities, learning enrichment activity- activities. So the suggestion is for parents to work on skills that are that they've mastered. So even going back to old skills they've already mastered and reviewing some of those so that might be if for example if you're in fourth grade you might have mastered complicated or multi-digit adding and subtracting in fourth grade you might be going into you know multi-digit multiplication so go back to the skills that they've already mastered and and start there now this is all saying if you don't have any guidelines from what your teacher is is giving you just go back and review some Previously mastered skills. So, if your students at a fifth grade go back to the fourth grade level skills on some on- online programs and just start there, so that the students can feel successful. The other thing is in is learning activities. Now, these these can include art, music, physical activity, uh, social emotional activities like yoga, and was going to say not meditation, but like maybe being in nature or sitting in nature or being outside in in nature cuz because all of those components are actually in the school day. So if you if you start if you start with some of those loose components and make a schedule for your family, what might would work for you and your family at home as a parent, you know, f- reviewing some skills that they've already mastered and um taking care of some of these other areas like art and music and and movement and emotional and social emotional well-being. I I think the other thing I would add is reading. Reading is so important. I think if you can keep up with any kind of reading, in in the upper grades, they, they're going to be reading their assignments in high school and middle school that they have to dig into. They'll be doing research and things like that. In the, but in the lower grades, especially with the younger children who are like uh, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten level, being surrounded by words and language is just very um, will continue the progress that they're on. It, it happens quite quickly in those years. So, so just you know, having like um, lots of picture books out and uh doing a read aloud um you know the Sesame Street there's uh PBS has all these programs on and in the mornings or they they have scheduled their programming for t- different times of the day for different age levels so maybe hook on to some of that free programming through the television that you can get onto
0: um, I'm sure some of our listeners are dealing with multiple children at home. Um, do you have any techniques you might suggest for reining kids in when your class of 20-odd kids gets stir-crazy? So oh this is gosh, like a disciplinarian yeah. question, <laughs> and that's why I think yeah, it's a really? tough one.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's a tough one. I mean, so as a teacher, this is always, um, I, and as a parent, I think this sort of, um, the seriousness that comes with, like, I really mean it. You know, when you when you're a parent and you're sort of threatening something, threatening something, you realize that at some point you're going to have to follow through it and actually mean it. You know, you have to follow through with what you're saying, the, the limit. It's the same with a, a teacher in a classroom, really. But teachers are very careful with having the limit so strict that students can't accomplish what they need to do without having a limit. So as a parent, just being careful that you're you're not like constantly trying to make them be quiet. And at the same time, not allowing them to just run the whole roost. So it really comes with just experiencing what is going to be comfortable for you, especially if you're working from home. And, you know, children are, are can be very uh, receptive to you saying, hey, listen, this is very important and I need you to be quiet for right now. But, you know, in a, in a half an hour, I'll let you be loud. So it's this nice flexibility of it's like we think you want to think about activity and and noise as like a breathing activity so you know very very active and then they need a, a quiet time and then active and then a quiet time and so if you schedule your day like that the st- your children will kind of sort of fall into this breathing in and out like a quiet activity a loud activity a quiet activity a loud activity so, so your schedule is going to be your 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 best friend as a parent when you work for this but I will see this. We have forgotten in the public school system how fruitful it is to have older children and younger children in direct communication with each other and being with each other. So if you have an older student, a younger student, they are really, you know, your family members are really your asset that you can actually rely on them to help you out. And they can feel responsible and they can feel like, you know, they're helping out. And at the same time, you can allow them, the older children that you have, to have a little perk on the other end after helping out.
1: That's great advice. And I, I definitely have heard from some of my friends who are, are have taken over this role <laughs> currently that, you know, it's been amazing to watch as their older kids have stepped up to kind of help and on that edge, on that side of, um, you know, with the reading and skill sets um, and really working together with their younger siblings. So that's been really cool to hear.
0: Hey everyone, Kitty here, with a reminder to check out our website at drinkinglikeladies.com. You can also find us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Drinking Like Ladies and on Twitter at DrinkLikeLadies. If this
1: is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our past episodes with industry leaders giving
0: sage advice. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to our interview with Anita Christina.
1: For those who may be listening who don't have school age children, perhaps you could kind of give us an overview of kind of the state of the educational system and kind of where we stand.
2: Well, I mean, I I think this is a huge opportunity to really shed light on some of the things that are the truths of our education system that we don't often get to see. You know, one of the fundamental things is that physical school buildings and schools, if you shut them down, that means there's no safe place for a lot of students. There's no place to get food. There's no place to get books. There's no place to learn English. Um, No place to get services like occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. I mean, all of these things happen in a public school. And so I think as a country, this is our time to really take a step back and look and say, you know, we are we are committed to our public school education or we're committed to education as a nation and this is important to us and these public schools have become so much more that we rely on now and it's time to really recognize that. As you look at the services that public buildings public school buildings can can provide for their communities, you also see that there's just this huge inequity in resources. You have some districts that have no Wi Fi for some of their students. You know, they have they don't have access to laptops or even the digital stream to get anything on the laptop. You know, so it's really been a remarkable reveal to really be able to look at how the public school system really works and what's
0: really happening. So I, I think that's going to be an exciting conversation for the future really. I'm so happy to hear you speaking about that in a positive way because I've been sort of daydreaming that this might be, this might force change in a in a positive way. I remember so I um, many years ago I dated a man that was in um, public school education and I remember learning I was like 20 when we started dating. I remember learning that like he had to buy pencils for his students yeah. thinking about like not being able to get a pencil in school. Like really? Yeah. <laughs> what are yeah. we doing? <laughs> yeah. What is How does,
2: how does it all work? Where could we, you know, there's gotta be yeah. money for that. At least I know. Yeah. I, it, it, it is, it's incredibly uneven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not only for the resources that the students have access to, but also on the other side, the teaching profession, it's kind of uneven, you know, Massachusetts has a very robust teachers union, but not every state has a teachers union, and we, you know, we kind of forget that. That, you know, there are some teachers who, if your boss calls you and your boss happens to be your principal, your boss calls you and says you're working until six o'clock tonight, and you're a salaried employee not under a union, you're working until six o'clock that night. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, there's a lot of different things that are going to be brought to the surface, which I think will be will be good to talk about
1: you know uh, for those who aren't familiar with the boston area the 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 community that you work in the school system that you are a part of is a pretty affluent community um and you know kind of tagging onto that inequity um w- do, what advice would you have to parents who may not be living in a spot that's as affluent or as well off as arlington is
2: i go fundamentally i go back to uh the teacher because Every teacher, I don't care whether you are working under a union or you're just, you know, a regular employee in the state, uh, you care about the student and you've already identified those students who are vulnerable, those students who struggle, those students who, you know, are suffering under inequity. You might even have a handle on on uh, homeless students who come in and out of your district. Uh, And in and out of your school, I mean, you are going to you're going to you're going to know this because you are on the front lines with these children and with these families. So, you know, what I say to those people who who are feeling that they don't have these resources, I would say, pick up the phone and call your teacher. If you can't get in touch with your teacher, call your principal. Your principal's telephone number should be public, um, a registered public number that they can reach you at through the office. Uh, call your principal, if you can't get in touch with your principal, call the superintendent of your district and say that these are what my needs are. Because now is the time for your voice to be heard. If we don't hear your voice that you're struggling with getting what you need, or struggling with helping your student learn, or struggling with, you know, figuring out what a schedule might look like, or figuring out how to interpret the instructions for an assignment even. And it really all goes back to like connection, connection, connection. The teacher wants to be connected to you. I mean, I'm, I know teachers who give up their give out their personal cell phones because they that's how committed they are to keeping track of these these students who often fall through the, the cracks. You know.
0: Let's consider the other side of the equation. So, what do you think? And you can speak personally or broadly, but what has the impact been on the teachers? Oh, well, you're gonna make me cry none of
2: us sign up for this remote experience. All of us want to be facing the little being that's in front of us and connecting with them and caring for them. And this is what, this is why we did this, start this profession. We joined it, you know? Um, So it's, it's just heartbreaking for all of us. And, you know, teachers run, run the range. You know, some of us are technologically savvy. Some are not. You might have a teacher in a, an advanced technology district where they have, everybody has Chromebooks, but uh, the teacher doesn't know how to use any of it. So they're sending out paper packets and that's what they're able to do. And then you have teachers who, you know, are in communities that they're online, but they can't reach their students. So they're sending out, you know, mobile Wi-Fi buses to get to their students so that they can be connected So you've you've got this whole range of things, but it is it has been the steepest learning curve. I mean, in the state of Massachusetts, my district closed schools before the state did, and so I've been learning on this learning curve for three weeks, and it's just flat Mm -hmm. out twelve-hour days trying to figure out what's going on, getting instructions, getting materials ready, scanning things I need to scan. Um, I mean, making it's just it's been constant, but I mean, it's been very emotional for teachers. And it's been very, very hard. I mean, imagine a doctor trying to service a patient that they can't really see. I mean, it's, it's crazy.
1: So kind of looking towards the future, um, you know, what impact do you anticipate an extended school closure will have on the students and on the teachers?
2: I've been thinking about that a lot lately. You know, I, um, I feel like in the in the in the middle chunk of the lower elementary, maybe upper elementary, the students will really, you know, even if it's just a six months, you know, hiatus from progressing their learning, they'll be able to recoup. I don't think there'll be tremendous gaps. I think that the early on the early side. Kindergarten, first grade, they absorb language so quickly, they're like little sponges. So not being surrounded with as much reading and language and looking at numbers and letters, you know, might present a little bit of a gap, but they're young, so it's nothing they really can't catch up with. On the other end, as they're leaving public school in the, you know, grades 9, 10, 11, and 12, I really feel for them because they're, you know, this is the time that they're you know, academic progression means the most in terms of being able to get into the colleges that they want to. It's such an important social time for them that, you know, this this may really impact them. And I think we have to kind of be ready with a safety net for some of those those junior and seniors who have experienced this right now, you know, kind of been thinking about them a lot lately.
1: And what about for the teachers? What do you think in an extended school closure will what will the impact be for hmm. the teachers?
2: I think teachers who can sort of emotionally get themselves kind of squared away with all of this, I think they'll have a deeper appreciation for what they do and maybe a recommitment. I, I also think they'll there'll be an eye-opening experience about how digital the digital world is not going away and that we do need these skills. And so there might be a lot of requests for them to learn a lot more. We might have a lot of people leaving the profession. I don't know. Maybe they feel like they never want to live through something like this again. I don't know.
1: Or well, the other side is perhaps maybe we the community, the larger community, will have a greater appreciation for the teachers in our communities.
2: I you know I hope so. I hope that I, so you know I and I am hopeful that that will be part of the conversation. That there will be some more appreciation for what teachers do and you know, people will stop saying to us, we think you should work all summer. Why do you get a summer break? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? That's when I get to, you know, brush up on all my new cocktails. Also, I get to sleep. I get to do all my reading. Like, I can't do any of that during the school year.
0: I think a lot of people don't really understand how much preparation goes into the teaching, you know, that you do. Um, I'm happy that you spoke to that earlier. I just don't think people... I mean, they will now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know, and also in a lot of ways, we're we're also like these,
2: um, the conduits for information. You know, like oh, have you heard about that? Have you heard about this? There's a free thing here. There's a da da da. You know, we're just always constantly trying to, you know, help parents, you know, make their experience with their children better, and that's why that's why I say, you know, connection, connection, connection. Just pick up the phone and call your teacher because. They, they, we really are here for you, and we know that this is a tremendously difficult thing that school systems are asking you to do. And you know, and we would never ask you to do this unless there was a pandemic, honestly. So
0: that's great, though. I'm really happy to hear that. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are parents out there that like might not even, you know, just might not feel comfortable or you know don't want to be bothering. Um, so it's good to hear that feedback that you should just reach out. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yes. Yeah. And. Yeah. Um, So each of the guests that we've had on um, have been addressing issues, have had a moment of focusing on the importance of planning for the end of this crisis and how to transition back to normal. Do you have any insight or have you been getting any advice from the state as to what that transition might look like moving into next year? So for example, will the teachers need to approach the start of school next year differently because of how this year is ending? Hmm, That's a really
2: good question. I I have not heard much about what, you know, what states are planning to do. You know, I have to say, I just have to take a moment and say that the governors of every state really do an amazing job of trying to keep, you know, to care for the the public schools in, in, in their state. They, they really, really do try to know the needs of, of their districts. You know, we haven't had great leadership at the federal level. And, you know, I would hope that maybe something might come from the federal level, but I don't think we can really rely on that. I just think that the I think the governors are really prepared to meet whatever asks the teachers have in the fall. You know, I think that they're really ready to do that because they see they really see how fundamental the public school buildings are in their districts, in their in their states. And they've been doing
0: a great job, I think. That's awesome. That's hopeful. It's good to hear that you feel like your voices are heard on that level. So parents are obviously feeling very overwhelmed right now. Um, so if you had to pare down to one piece of advice for them oh, gosh. in regards to educating at home. I know. It's, it's, could you do it? Just one? <laughs> okay. I could do it. I could do it. Okay. So,
2: okay, we we'll take a big breath. So under the umbrella of connection, I would say it would be the most important thing. Connect with with your student about their assignment that they get from a teacher or their learning activity that they're doing and really connect with them in a way that you're you have no distractions you're just listening with no agenda not trying to help or anything like that just tell me about what your activity was today or what you maybe you can even start the day that what, what are you going to plan to do today i want to hear your plan to really connect, and I would also say, you know, connect with the teacher if you're struggling. And as parents, I think you should stay connected with your support system. I mean, it's very, very important that because if you're not, if, as a parent, if you're not grounded and you're not taking care of yourself, then your, you know, your your home and your social isolating is going to be um, that much harder.
1: So all of our interviews have been focused on around the pandemic so far and obviously that's super Mm. heavy um so we're always like we'd like to consider positives you know we don't like it all to be about the (laughs) negatives so um if there is in regards to education um if there could be a possible positive post-pandemic what do you think that could be
2: i you know i think that we are going to the positive is going to be we are going to face this inequity and we're going to figure out how to start solving it. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my my biggest. So, yeah, so teachers don't have to buy pencils for their students.
0: I think this has been one of the most positive interviews we've had so far. Actually. Oh, really? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and I also think a lot of your advice about managing children could be well applied to most of my adult friends. <laughs> And
1: bar patrons yeah. for all of our oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> actually, <laughs> very relevant for actually, all of you us. You wrote um,
0: and <laughs> supported me an email that you guys exchanged, and um, there's a part where you talk about. <laughs> Yes, the children will tell you they are bored. And I, I can't tell you how many adult bartender friends I have that are like we found into this industry for many people are extroverted. A lot of people struggled with learning disabilities growing up and they were not made for staying at home and reading. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and just texting me. I'm so, <laughs> so bored. bored. And I'm like, maybe I should share this email with them.
2: <laughs> Remind them. <laughs> right
1: um so do you have any advice as far as resources that uh parents could be looking to um while they're taking care of homeschooling yes
2: well you should look to your teacher to get uh Guidance for like the activities. And most districts have like just posted a bunch of stuff up of all the links that you can do. But there are some fascinating things like Google Earth. You can take tours of locations that you'd always wanted to be, been to. Oh, the San Diego Zoo has live streaming animals. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has uh, baby otters that they are tending and, and feeding, and these virtual tours of museums that you can take. There are uh, television shows that. Are offering free streaming educational services through Netflix and Hulu, and and I, I mentioned PBS, like legos has this whole curriculum that you can do matchbox cars has this whole curriculum that you can do if you're interested in that i mean it's kind of endless because our businesses have really tried and really understand that this is this is difficult and they're losing revenue obviously so they want to get you interested in their products so if there's anything that your kids are really into i am sure somebody has made some sort of learning initiative or packet activity packet that you could
0: do at home with whatever your kids are interested in really that's awesome. That's so inspiring. I'm, I wrote them down. Yeah. I'm gonna go to the zoo later <laughs> and to the Monterey Bay <laughs> Aquarium. <laughs> and then I'm gonna go on the museum tour. Straight there you go. Uh, Machu Picchu. Oh,
2: oh my. Yeah. Google I'm Earth.
1: I'll be carrying a piece
2: of
1: stone. <laughs> 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 and um, thanks for all your wonderful advice I'm sure all of our listeners will appreciate
2: it oh, it's really my pleasure, I'm, I'm happy, to, happy to talk about it, I love what I do so and I'm happy to do it thank you very much for having me
1: um, we like to end every one of our interviews with what we call the last call lightning round last call I'm ready you're in a bar, you don't want to look at a menu. What's your go-to drink?
2: Okay, anything with tequila. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> that is straight fire. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, in fact, I'm not really a big sipper, so you know, shots are great.
0: Yes. <laughs> what are you doing, later? You want to get on a house party? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> If you could have a drink, so if you could have a drink with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Oh, okay. This is, this is easy. Um,
2: this is Mary Edwards Walker. Uh, she, have you heard of the dress reform movement in right after the uh, Civil War? So she uh, got arrested for wearing pants because women were required to wear corsets at that time. And she was a surgeon in the Civil War. And she got arrested for wearing pants. And before the Seneca Falls Convention for the suffragettes was the dress uh, reform convention. And she ran that and she was the president of it. And all I can say is I, I would love to have a drink with her because I bet she has some great stories. And I bet they're body and funny,
0: you know. Yeah. I bet she likes whiskey. Yeah, I bet.
2: Yeah, Probably. Straight from the... You know, the the medical fields of the Civil War. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, I can't wait to read more
0: about her. amazing. Oh, yeah, there's a a great little
2: uh, read-aloud that you could do. It's called Mary Wears What She Wants, and it's by Keith Negley.
0: All right,
1: next question. Desert Island drink, just one thing for the rest of your life. What is it?
2: Okay, so it's hot at this Desert Island, right? So it's a cooling drink. I would say... Oh, a Cape Cod or maybe, because it's like vitamin C or vitamin C in there with uh, cranberry juice. That's very <laughs> smart. I love that. You and that. producer Chris are
0: on the same team with the cranberry juice I there. Team that. cranberry. <laughs> I love yes. cranberry. All right. So this one has been a very polarizing question for some of our bartenders, um, but I'm not sure how it will fare for you. So espresso martini, would you put Baileys in it or would you go without Baileys? Well, Baileys, how could you even
2: ask that question? It has to have <laughs> in it. cream all the way, cream. I
1: love it. <laughs> all right. And finally, oh. what's your last
2: call song? Oh, gosh. This is also probably a terribly New Englander thing to say, but um, the Dropkick Murphys have a great song, which is until next time. So until the next time, it's Uh, you know, I grew up and I was a punk rocker growing up, and the rock Pick Murphys sort of came along after after you know the scene, but those youngins, but they've uh, stuck with it, and they've just been so much fun. So oh, much that's fun.
1: Good. A huge thank you to Anita Christina for joining us today. What an
0: amazingly calm presence in a very chaotic time. Oh, 100%. I really love speaking with her. And I felt like every question she answered, she had so much insight um, and brought that positivity to even the stuff that was harder to talk about. Um, She did share an email with us before we uh, interviewed her that she had recently sent to the parents of her students, and I have um, a little quote I thought would be fun to share with you guys. Um, So she wrote, and as unprecedented as these times are, we know from other unprecedented times in history that humans are resilient, in particular children. The one powerful tool to defeat trauma of any kind is connection. I'm so honored to be able to connect to you and your students during this traumatic time. So I just thought that was really great. I think, um, you know, it's so easy to focus on and, and be so upset and worried about the children. But I just really enjoyed reading that and her feedback that children are so resilient.
1: And I think her advice in regards to connection is so important for all of us at this point in time, which is why we've been all having our FaceTime happy hours and our Zoom calls and all of those things. So it's good advice, not just for children, but for each of us to remember. as always a huge thank you to our amazing producer who makes us sound good, Mr. Chris Voss. In addition to hearing this work here on our podcast, you can actually hear his voice as the weekday afternoon DJ on Boston's classical radio station 99.5 WCRB You can also find and stream WCRB online
0: at classicalwcrb.org Please head over to our website, drinkinglikeladies.com, to learn more about the topics we cover today and find links to the great organizations that are supporting the restaurant and hospitality industries right now. They desperately need your help. You can also find
1: and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Drinking Like Ladies and on Twitter at Drink Like Ladies. Please subscribe to the Drinking Like Ladies podcast wherever you listen to podcasts for updates on new episodes. Until next time, I'm Misty. And I'm Kitty. And this is Drinking Like Ladies, a Spirit of Rock podcast. Thanks
2: for listening.